Hey everyone, this is Prashant and I'll be your host for the VC 10X podcast and today we have Jesse Siog with us. Jesse is a principal at Terra Legacy, previously known as 357 Investments, where he manages a portfolio of real estate and investing in startups across Silicon Valley and United States. In this episode, we talk about which investment classes, better real estate or startups, how both these asset classes work and what are the dynamics of real estate and the startups that he's investing in and what he looks at while making these investments. Without wasting any time, let's dive straight in. And oh, if you haven't subscribed to VC Connects yet, please do and give us a 5 star rating if you find value in this episode. Now, let's start. Hey, Jesse, so good to have you on the VC10X podcast. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm doing good as well. Uh, and let, let's hit it off straight away uh, with your story. Like, what's your story and how you started investing? It's It started, the, you know, back in the early 90s, I would say. I was uh, my first kind of stint at, or, or exposure to, you know, the world of finance and investing was my father gifting gifting me a stack of uh <laughs> books that uh you know uh under the yeah. topic and i think uh, that was for christmas and i think i was about 15 or 16 years old uh and that followed through with a wall street journal subscription and then a custodian account with e-trade uh during the america online days so Naturally, that was, you know, being, you know, just uh, at that age and everything. But, you know, it, it was quite exciting to, to kind of get my first taste of, um, you know, equity markets, securities, stock trading in general, kind of went down the rabbit hole in those traditional categories. And then um, I found myself pursuing, you know, uh, wanting to work professionally in the industry. Uh, so years later, um, I decided to, to, yeah, jump in and get FINRA licensed, uh, with the series 66 and seven here and, uh, started working for a stock brokerage, uh, company in downtown San Francisco, uh, in my mid twenties. So that's how it, it kind of started. Got it. And you're someone who, does uh, angel investing uh, in startups uh, as well as you're also into real estate investing so we'll talk uh, we'll talk about uh, both of those uh, but let's let's talk about angel investing so uh, how did you start uh, making angel investments uh, and what kind of investments you've made uh, and what kind of startups are you looking for uh, while making your angel investments yeah um kind of the first stint of it all was back in I would say the you know when Web 2.0 was uh, was kind of on its trajectory uh, 2000 and this is post financial crisis of 2008 right and so um, I would say uh, being in the downtown San Francisco setting which evolved into the epicenter of Silicon Valley uh, during those years. Uh, it was hard not to have exposure to the rapidly growing startup scene, right? I was, uh, at that time, very focused in commercial real estate investments. 
Um, and part of stabilizing assets in that category is about tenant placement, right? And, uh, and tenant placement, placement, most of the tenants that were able to absorb the space and afford the San Francisco, you know, uh, office rates and everything were startups, well-funded startups. And so uh, through that, I had some, you know, uh, friends that were actually, um, you know, builders and starting, you know, companies and in the midst of it all. And through that, I had, you know, you know, I kind of, I would say lucked out in the sense that I was able to participate in uh, a friend's startup um, in which that was also my first taste of an exit four years later. So the rest is kind of history, right? You kind of caught the bug there. Uh, and then, you know, over the years, just started more actively pursuing uh, angel investing, early stage investing. Right. And and what, what was it like a big exit that, that made, made you a lot of money? So you thought, okay, let's get do this more aggressively. Um, you know, it, it was, I, I could, it, I could talk all day about it, but <laughs> basically, of course, like, yeah. it, you know, it was, uh, I, I had a couple, you know, seeds planted over the years through different investments. And, uh, when you start seeing the windfall liquidity events, uh, they weren't like, you know, like crazy, um, crazy exits, like nothing went public. It was all private acquisitions. Uh, but it was enough that, you know, you were like, okay, these multiple, th this type of, uh, you know, the, the, it was a 10, 20 X, you know, performance was pretty good and unheard of. Right. Uh, it, in the sense of like, like real estate investments, right. Where else do you 10 X your money? Not so much in real estate. Right. So, um, and not even the public markets, it's very difficult, but, uh, anyways, so that, just um, I had the capital uh, to work with, and during that, and to follow up, it's just also I I was, you know, I think the timing more so and curiosity also led me to uh, make some early investments in, in you know cryptocurrency and Web three, so that really helped diversify things because uh, at that time. Predominantly, my portfolio was, you know, uh, rental properties, multifamily rental properties. Then I had the, you know, one or two startups in which one had an exit. And then, yeah, so that, that, that's kind of the, there was the inaugural events that really, you know, led me toward right. more actively angel investing. Because again, in, in contrast, real estate is great. I still love it. Still the last bastion for me when it comes to where capital eventually ends up. But you don't have that type of performance, right, on the multiples. It, like in, in, in right. comparison. Yeah. So obviously I started uh, allocating more capital toward, you know, uh, these, these more risk on assets or investments, I would say. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was going to ask ask you that question. Like, uh, how do you, since you've done both, you've done real estate investing as well as uh, startup investing. Uh, how how do you contrast the two? And uh, you answered it perfectly well that uh, the kind of returns you can see in startup investing uh, are much larger. And you're always talking in terms of ex uh, excess, like 10x and maybe even more, right? 
uh, and th that's not uh, often the case with real estate, right? Or, or rarely the case with real estate, right? Uh, so uh, let, let's uh, shift focus a little bit and talk about real estate investing. So what are the kind of returns you see uh, in the real estate investments that, that you've made? And uh, for someone who isn't, uh, who, who has money and who, who wants to maybe invest in real estate, then what's the best way to do that in your, in your thoughts? Um, well, you know, a uh, decade and a half of uh, experience with, uh, you know, just in that broad category of real estate, uh, but it has been honed into more multifamily, uh, residential, and some uh, light industrial and flex space. Um, my portfolio is just predominantly made up of uh, apartment buildings multifamily and uh, a couple warehouses but that is um that's it because you know that there i don't have office space I've, I've i've done office space deals in the past uh worked with them from the acquisition disposition side to full-on management uh but uh i guess my my wheelhouse over the years and comfort zone and, and Many would probably agree is just the, the natural familiarity with the you know residential right. We all live and you know uh, either own or rent uh, residential uh, buildings and properties. So there's that natural familiarity. Uh, so owning it just comes natural, and you know the comfort zone of managing it uh, that kept that category. Now, as far as it, yeah, the, I guess you know I kind of briefly mentioned. Uh, maybe before um, that it's still the category in which, you know, most of my profits or liquidity events, a lot of that capital rolls back into real estate because it's just an asset class that I've determined is just what I prefer to, you know, like hold on and build. And I'm okay with, you know, having a large position and a lot of it, I will stress this though. Um, uh, maybe in the past decade and a half, I kind of, I try to maintain a low leverage uh, structuring of my real estate holdings. Uh, it's not so much, it's just more of a principal thing. And I, you know, I, I can sleep better at night just knowing that I own the properties outright uh, without carrying on a lot of leverage with them. Uh, but, you know, that's capital intensive. But again, it's just more of those where I think for anybody that wants to broaden their investment exposure, it's, you know, you just have to understand that um, there's there's also a lot of vehicles, right, in which you can uh, have the real estate exposure from more liquid uh, fractional, or you know, exposures like a REIT, buying into a public REIT which is a portfolio of, uh, you know, properties that is professionally managed and they're, they're selling shares of the public uh, to now there's a lot of crowdfunding platforms like Fundrise and and the likes that allow for, you know, accredited and non-accredited investors to buy, again, fractional shares and representation of both the equity and also cash flow distribution on a pro rata basis based on how much you own right? Um, uh, percentage wise. And then the full on like, you know, more formal, formidable, like uh, 
investment directly into real estate again it there's uh you could just participate as an lp with you know an operator or a gp that just knows what the hell they're doing right and have uh that that you know you're gonna have to filter through that but uh that is more conventional i would say for accredited investors uh but it and uh also i think the more speculative and and which you know which usually equates to more profitable if it's successful is participating in uh like new developments or you know uh in the likes of you know you're actually dealing with uh re, you know constructing a brand new building from the ground up or a, a, a larger scale repurposing of a building uh revitalization project and yeah, so that that's pretty much it. But there are a lot of moving factors, and also that has to align with the investor's personal objective for their portfolio. Um, you know, I I have learned that it's it's a very um, you know it's a real world asset, right? And it's, it's 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 tangible. It's just one of those things where I, it, you know, it's still you know I, I have a I have a soft I have a <laughs> it holds a you know uh, a big part of um, you know, like my, my investment, uh, I guess, like just long-term thesis. Right. And, but, but I'll, right. I will say this though, it has also, aside from the liquidity factor, which is just, it's not as liquid as like, let's say crypto or, you know, stocks, public security, you know, securities in general. Um, but you know, it's liquid enough, right. There's a market, you know, uh, and, but it's just very capital intensive. What I will say though is that i have always been most interested in kind of the more like looking at secondary cities or areas right secondary and tertiary in some some uh to some degree uh because you're always betting on the it, just like startups you're kind of betting on the future of uh either a neighborhood uh or you know a, a yeah, pretty much, and it could be very hyper local. It could be by by the block, or it could be by uh, zip code. You know, uh, but it's you're kind of my. I guess I'm always looking for where, you know, the developers are going to next. That that's kind of how I chase the money when it comes to real estate. Right, right. Yeah, that, that that's a great approach, and it uh, it put a lot into perspective for new investors who are maybe wanting to come in. Uh, into real estate investing, right? And and over the past maybe five ten years, uh, real estate has changed a lot. Like earlier, they were like traditional buildings, like one office uh, one office belonged to one person, and now there is this concept of uh, partial ownership that is uh, uh, very fast, uh, you know, gaining ground and uh, partial ownership. And there is co living, there is uh, co working, right? All all these concepts are there and are re- really popular. So. Uh, in this, uh, so is partial ownership uh, really a good investment, uh, in your opinion? And uh, what kind of returns do you get? Do, uh, do you get rental returns? Like if it's a co-working space, let's say, uh, do, do you get a part of your share of the rental income, or how, how does that play out? Um, but again, that that depends on if you're being specific. It it, it depends on the vehicle in which you're 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 you know you're investing into when we talk about partial ownership, fractional ownership. Uh, I mean, are you, 
buying into as an LP of a syndicate? Are you, you know, are you co 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 owning, co investing directly, or, or are you buying like actually like these, you know, these shares per se, uh, in which it's uh, it's all online, right? And uh, it, the fluidity of yep. you know some of these crowd investing platforms. If that's the case, yeah. it really comes down to you know they're they're obviously going to offer some some forecasted numbers, right? Projected ROI. Uh, they're going to you know there's a pro forma memorandum that you kind of read through, and it's it's not guaranteed returns, but that's to the best of their ability and their experience. That's what they're projecting to hit uh, target. Uh, return on investment for and uh, then you as the individual investor it's really up to you to I, I would say do some peripheral research on comparable uh, you know projects or properties in the neighboring area if possible uh, and uh, also factoring in concretely, the management fees, right? All the pro, you know processing fees, in which whoever the operator is that you're investing in, who is who's actually quote unquote managing the money, um, you know what are their fees, right? So you have to kind of factor that all in, uh, and you know it's just yeah, you, you do have to kind of do your research a little bit, uh, but it's it's you know they've already taken care of a lot of the heavy lifting, right? So, but that's what you're paying for. You know, as far as when it comes to fees, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but, you know, it's. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this though, you know, real estate, like you know, it's yeah. uh, like the, the classic phrase that it's not rocket science, and there's truth to that, but there's a lot of nuances still, and if you want to get good at it, you got to have patience, you got to have capital, uh, if you want to get more directly into it but it's still pretty exciting you know because again real world differences a real world asset like you know you you can see it you can step into it right you can touch it you like it's it's for me that that's always been pretty you know that the exciting part of it the, the real world utility of the asset class absolutely and the thing is that uh, you're you're very less likely to blow up your money on real estate uh, than on maybe startup investing, you know, where you're more likely to blow up money. Uh, so it's basically the more risk you take, the more returns you can get. Kind of that thing playing out, right? So in real estate, you will not blow up your money because your ownership is going to be your ownership. Uh, uh, how much it appreciates, it depends, right? Right. I mean, it could go both ways. You Obviously, you could, you could be underwater. But again, if you are... Here's the thing, though, and this goes back to my more of a... It's not so much a uh, real-time strategy. It's just long-term, and it's more of on-ground principle of portfolio structuring, especially because we're, you know, let's be honest, the more capital you accumulate, uh, the more wealth preservation strategies need to be implemented, right? That's just how it works. So um, real estate is that category for me, not so much. Like, yeah, of course, depending on, um, you know, where we are in the economic cycle, uh, you know, cash holdings will in, increase or decrease accordingly. But when it comes to just pure asset allocation and preservation, uh, I'm I love zero. You know, minimal leverage, zero leverage uh, real estate holdings because of that. Because 
you know, you don't have to take on any debt service in any downturn. Uh, you, I mean, obviously you're responsible for some, 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 ex, you know, uh, like taxes and insurance, you know, and some, some carrying costs with, you know, just, but the point is like overall, you know, if you learn to not be over levered, you can survive uh, by owning this, this asset class, as you said, right. There's always going to be some value, right. Uh, versus startup investing, first of all, being, if it's private, right. Being, if it's uh, never, if it's a private, investment that is non-liquid for the most part and um yeah and even with uh but you know that that's and crypto kind of is exciting because of the liquidity factor and also the asymmetric you know risk and reward that you know everyone is aware of but that and maybe save that for a different conversation or later but yeah anyways the point being is that yes real estate you know if i or to describe the investment barbell, you know, that that's pretty heavily weighted on one side for me. But again, that comes with the distinction for me is that I aim to have very little depth on that side in that category. Right, right. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. And uh, uh, like talk, talking about uh, startup investing, I should focus again. So uh, in, in that category, so how, how are you sourcing your deals? Uh, uh, while startup investing uh is it only through uh, friends and family are you only investing in friends and family the people you know already uh or are you more open to deals and what kind of deals are you open to yeah i you know it, it takes a while obviously the established you know funds and firms have first you know dibs on some of the best deals to ever come through right that's about building the deal flow uh but from a you know like like where where like an angel investor, early stage investor as myself was on the solo capitalist route more so than anything else. It's just something where, um, yeah, building deal flow can be it should be a full time job. It, it, you know, in which uh, you gotta I have to get myself out there if I want to if I'm actively looking to deploy funds in that category, right? Um, and so. It goes both ways, but, you know, like through, uh, I think over the course of time, founders uh, that you have previously invested in, often they are part of some uh, accelerator, right? Or, you know, like a, you know, like a Y Combinator or uh, yeah, and the likes. And um, that's great. That's like their collegiate, you know, in, in the equivalent of the, like an Ivy League, right? In which there's a networking effect. And. Uh, you know, if you're on good good ground with some of these founders, they may, and it's very likely they'll introduce you to their their friends and their their new startups, right? And uh, it, you, you got to it's a compounding effect. You know, you got to um, you 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 should be actively uh, networking if you're you know if you don't have the brand power uh, of some of the larger firms, then your job is as an angel investor is to go out there right and you and tweak over the course of time you know filter through so you get qual more higher quality deal flow and um pick from that so i'm op i've always been open to cold inquiries um now it's a matter of you know obviously you know how efficient it is to get through uh you know the the often the pitch decks that are sent over you know and how efficient communication is from the founding team 
to the investor. And uh, sometimes, you know, uh, but, you know, you'll, you'll hear this quite often that, you know, the, I think the, prof, you know, the, the proficient uh, and, and those that are taking it very seriously with angel investing, sometimes it's reversed in which you've, as the investor, you're, you're the one hunting down and chasing down certain deals, you know? Yeah, that's true. And uh, th- th- yeah, th- that's a good framework to uh, be investing. In. And uh, the point that you touched upon that the importance of network and having a brand is, is so, so important for investors to be getting regular deal flow in and high high quality deal flow in, right? That's important. Uh, so uh, yeah, and uh, moving on to my last question, which is like, uh, let, let's get get down to numbers in both of these, right? So, in startup investing, you know that the returns can be in multiple axes. But uh, in real estate investing, what do the returns look like? And how, 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 if you have to put real estate investing against up against startup investing, uh, if, and you want to say that it is actually a better place to invest in some ways, then what what are the, those ways? Well, I think it, you know one. Determinant is how much capital you're working with, right? Because, like, you know, um, if I were to stratify, and this is just personal opinion, uh, everybody, you know, strategically is going to have variance in, in your approach versus your objective. But for me, right now, I'll stratify that, you know, crypto is the most liquid and provides still uh, exponential gains in either direction, right? So that is a risk on asset class, but that liquidity and global access is very uh, apparent. And I that's, for me, an attractive point. So it, it takes less capital to get the you know exposure to something that could have exponential gains. But of course, you're taking on, you know, the, 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 the higher risk side of the scale, right? Uh, but again, it takes less capital. Then you move on I think private startup investment, you know, typically you, you're, you know, depending on what, you know, the cap table and, you know, what, where, what they're raising and what round and everything. But like with that, uh, I'm sorry, but with on the early stage side, it just depends on the, the valuations. Right. And so um, you want to get enough exposure, right. Where, where like, because here's the thing, the, the one thing that with startups, conventional startup investing is you're lacking liquidity factor. Right. Like you never know if you're ever going to see a dime uh, unless there's a, an acquisition or if the grand slam is taking the uh, company public. Right. So, but those are not forecastable. And again, liquidity is the, the drawback of startup investing, but you could, you know, uh, so that re- I would say startup investing requires, should require more capital, right. In that sense. So I put it kind of in the, uh, a different tier i'm stratifying it from a from the what i'm describing now is that you know uh you could work with less depend you know the capital allocation less capital higher higher exponential growth possibility you know the new asset classes derivatives is one crypto is the other right and then you know uh, but then you, you're tackling risk on uh startups although are still pretty risk on um, but you know, it's just one of those things that it feels more tangible in the sense, uh, just, you know, if, especially if you're, you believe in the founding team or, you know, the industry in which they're building a product and service, if you're very familiar with, and you're willing to be, you know, place a bet there, um, 
So you, you have that distinction of a real world product or service, right? Uh, and usually. And so uh, that I would say like, you know, 10, 25, up to 50K angel checks is kind of my comfort zone. Uh, and uh, and then on, again, going back, you know, to the more, you know, to, to where it's capital intensive is non-levered or very minimal, you know, uh, leverage real estate positions. So although uh, you might not see the exponential gains, but, you know, that's where wealth preservation comes in, right? And so that is regulatory. But we're speaking outside of stocks and bonds and treasuries, right? I'm talking about, you know, just just <clears throat> those. These are the asset classes that I, I personally focus on, and I'm 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 happy you know, I, that it's been determined. There's been determinants in which it has played out pretty well in portfolio structuring for me. And uh, yeah, but I'll tell you this though: with real estate. Um, you know, there's certain fringe plays in which, like I said, the, you know, just like on the risk scale, it's, um, you know, when you're looking at opportunities in tertiary markets, lower cost base, less competitiveness because, you know, the, the potential or, you know, the upside is not so obvious and apparent to everybody. Uh, those are still, I, I believe, especially in downturns, uh, you know, those opportunities exist right no matter of the fluidity of information right now it doesn't matter that they're you know it's because it's a capital intensive category at large especially when you're you know not levered up then it that already kind of you know shrinkens the competitive nature of it and then it's really up to you to you know uh, but what i'm describing is more i'll give you a couple examples like uh, back in 2012, 13, which, you know, I, I forget the exact numbers, but we were, you know, dialing in on the light industrial flex space in dog patch uh, and uh, that area of um, uh, Bayview of San Francisco, uh, going toward the, the old stadium. And, you know, that was about a five mile stretch difference to downtown Oakland, right? You just had the difference of the Bay Bridge pretty much. And, uh, but the office, uh, the, I'm sorry, the commercial leasing rates was like, um, I don't remember the exact per square footage, but I remember that downtown Oakland offerings and vacancies were being offered at about a 25% ratio like 25 percent of san francisco's right that's a 75 percent cost savings for any any startup that can take up that type that, that can occupy that or looking at for that type of space 75 percent is quite significant for a five mile difference right so something like that it may be oversimplified but for me the thesis played out right because i i remember during that time i was like no startups were really looking into oakland but I was like, this doesn't make any sense, right? You you have a marketplace that's overheating in San Francisco, and then just you know a bridge away or a Bart ride away, you could be saving seventy five percent in rents alone. And obviously, there's variables to that. But we ended up taking down 
a couple properties uh, based off that general thesis, and it ended up panning up pretty well. Those properties ended up uh, the next three or four years appreciating a good 200%. So you can still have pretty decent multiples, especially dealing with larger capital allocations in that category. But you kind of have to, you know, you got to, you got to kind of, um, you know, skate toward where the puck is going, as they say, right? That's the phrase. But, um, what, but and, and the other thing is Miami was another one. Uh, Las Vegas was a third, but yeah, you kind of have to play around and, you know, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. But the beauty of real estate is that most of the, you know, math or from formulaic approaches, you know, we all share the same general baselines for valuations components. And uh, so it makes things, you know, uh, it's, 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 yeah. Not rocket science, but you know, if you're looking for larger returns, you got to play outside of the competition per se, outside of the wider scope of competition, and look for these niche market play, uh, plays. Got it. Yeah, that's a great bottom line for us to end this episode. It was great talking to you, and I gained a lot of insights into real estate investing and uh, and and for sure, I'm I'm going out of this episode like a little more convinced that uh, real estate investing is great for any investor out there who's looking to diversify their portfolio, like other than startup investing, right? It, it's, it's a great one out there, right? Yeah. Uh, so great talking to you, Jesse. Uh, let me know two things. Uh, where can f- uh, founders pitch you? Uh, one and two, uh, where can our listeners follow you? Yeah. Um, if on Twitter, you know, uh, it's not so formal, but uh, it is J U N as in Nancy. D O I M is in Mary A. That's my handle on Twitter. So it's Jundo Ima. It's just a Japanese phrase. Um, and, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn. I started a new holding company. Uh, we're, we're in the process of, uh, you know, making some new um, angel investments there. And that's under Terra Legacy LLC. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, you can reach me there. Uh, but I do have my, um, you know, the, my, I guess, lifelong email address would just be jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at 357investments, that's plural.com. Got it. Got it. Great. I'll make sure to put uh, all those links in the show notes below so that our listeners can get there easily. It was great talking to you, Jesse. Happy investing. Thank you. Take care. My pleasure.